Welcome to the last of the Call High Wildcats 1982 podcast, brought to you by Beats on Man Productions. Uh, one of the students, I have no idea who he was, but he had a, he was in Woodshop, and he took that picture and put it on some masonite, and then uh, and cut him up into puzzle pieces. His picture, College High, and I got every piece but one. It was one. I put it together and I had one missing piece. Well, that's pretty good, you know, out of all of those. Tell you what, that later on looking back, it was their parents. You know, I grew up without a dad in the home, but their parents had a huge impact on me. Cheated to win. And this young man asked why he cheated, you know, to win. And in the course of that conversation, um, you know, he said he wanted to get the gold, you know, he, he had to get the gold medal. But he came to the realization that if, if you're not enough without the gold medal, you're never going to be enough with the gold medal. And I think that's, I mean, that, to me, that's, I, I love that. And it's all everybody else's fault. You have no responsibility for your life. And I've seen that in several people in my life. You, and it's not a place I want to be. You want to find a place where you can be contented. You can be grateful for what you have because everybody has some sort of blessings. And you can, um, and you can find joy and you can be joyful and I know people say this all the time, you can be joyful and cry. Uh, the example was I watched little kids and I love to see them play. My daughter never did that, but I can still be joyful watching them do that. I can um, watch people talk about their grandkids that I'm never gonna have and be grateful that they get to have those kids. Hey, this is Scott Townsend. Welcome back to the last of the Call High Wildcats 1982 podcast. And today I have with me special guest uh, graduate from 82, of course. She's on page 99. I think she's also on page 20, 22, 29, 49. There was a lot of pages she's there in the yearbook with. Uh, welcome, Denise Washer. How's it going, Denise? It's going off me. So I'm here. Yeah. Well, welcome here. Glad glad you're here. Um, okay, so let's let's straighten out your name here. So Catherine Denise Washer or Stowell Washer. I couldn't find you in the yearbook because I was looking under. I was looking for Catherine, and I, I didn't realize. So so what is it? All right. Up until I went to pharmacy school in '87, I was Denise Washer. Because my mom called us by our middle names. So I was Denise okay. Washer. When I went to pharmacy school, there was two other Denises in the class, and Catherine was my first name. So they always wanted to call me Catherine anyway. So I just changed at that point. And I was Catherine Washer. And then when I got married, I became Catherine Stowell. 
But most people, I mean, so half my life, people know me by Denise and the other half of my life knows me by Catherine and I answer to both. So <laughs> Denise works. <laughs> so we'll, we'll go by Denise then. We'll use Denise. On your That'll Facebook work. page, it's like Catherine Denise Washer Stowell. Stowell, is that? Stowell, uh-huh. Yeah, okay. And that's that's so the people from my two halves of my life can find me. Right. Well, that's good. So, man, what's been going on in the last 40 years? Like I ask everybody, you know, it's uh, that's a long span of time. Uh, 40 years. Can uh, can you kind of bring us all up to speed just real quickly? Uh, after you graduated, okay. what did you do? I went to OU and I got a degree in chemical engineering in 1986 when the oil market crashed. No, oh, yeah. And um, nobody in my graduating class got a job. Hmm. There were two people that had jobs that were paid severance packages not to come. So really? most of my class went back to do... Um, graduate work in chemical engineering at OU. OU. And I had decided at that point that chemical engineering wasn't really for me, I didn't think. So I went home for a year, thought about what I wanted to do. And the idea was I would become a pharmacist and I would open my own store and I would do, I love to knit and crochet and quilt and embroider. And I do all sorts and paint, do all sorts of things like that. So is that some of your paintings behind you? Um, those are my grandmother's. Okay. The only one that's mine is, let's see if we can get it in here. It's a, that, that top one up there. Oh, okay. That one's mine. Cool. So where are you calling from? Let's get that over with. So where are you right now? <clears throat> I'm in Fritch, Texas, the bustling metropolis of 2,200 people. Okay. So where is yeah. Fritch? I guess I it's, could pull up uh, a Google Earth here and. It's 35 miles north of Amarillo and about 12 miles east of Borger, near Lake Meredith. Lake Meredith is just like half a mile that way. Oh, okay. So you're kind so, of out in the middle of uh, nowhere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's that's nice. I mean, that's that's pretty flat out there, right? Well, right around here it's hilly because we have the Canadian River has made oh, okay. some you know made some hills, but yeah, it's pretty flat. You get get ten. Five five miles in any direction and it's flat. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. Which is the way I like it. Most people like mountains and stuff like that. You know, uh, I mean, mountains are cool. Oh, I forgot to turn my phone off. Hang on a second. Let me turn this off. But, um, yeah, I like it flat. I like to be the tallest thing around for miles. So mountains South Texas are cool. mountains are cool. It's just I'm always wondering what's on the other side. And we get we don't have great landscapes, but we get amazing skyscapes. <clears throat> oh yeah, I'll bet. Yeah, I'll bet. At night, you can probably see every mm-hmm. star in the universe. And you know the clouds and the sunsets and the sunrises. And right now we have lots of dirt and lots of smoke, but yeah, we lots need rain. Of, right? Yeah, we all need rain. All right, so you're so you're crocheting, and you wanted to start a pharmacy where you could uh, support your addiction to crocheting. So yeah, uh, so, so did that I went work? to pharmacy school. Oh, I went okay. to pharmacy school, and um, where at? At OU. Okay. Got my oh. pharmacy degree. Ended up going to Dallas because of the laws at that time. I did a year of in, uh, instead of doing my pharmacy internship, I did a year of research with a grant from. Uh, the National Association of Colleges of Pharmacy. 
And um, so that put me behind in my intern hours. So I couldn't sit for the boards in Oklahoma because of the way the wall, the laws were. But in Texas, I could sit for the boards and finish my internship hours afterwards. Hmm. In Oklahoma, you had to have all your internship hours in first. So I moved to Dallas and I went to work for Revco and Eckerd's bought Revco. And so I worked for Revco uh, for Eckerd's the rest of my pharmacy career, pretty much Hmm. in um, 95. I got married and we had our first daughter in November or our only child in November of 96. 96. And, okay. uh, yeah. and on December 21st of 1996, we were on our way to meet a friend for um, to, to celebrate Christmas because we were going out of town. No. So, okay. So wait a minute. So you got married in 90, what? Five? 95. Mm-hmm. 95. You had the daughter in, in 96. Six. November okay. of 96. November mm-hmm. 96. And so now we're into December 1996. Right. Okay. And we're on our later. way to, a month later. We're on our way to dinner with a, to, to meet a friend and celebrate Christmas. And we were rear-ended by a drunk driver on Highway 75. They estimated he was probably going about 82 miles an hour, and we were going about 60. Hmm. And so we rolled across the four lanes of access road into the field. And he went and ended up in the median facing the wrong way. It was right by the mall, the Saturday before Christmas. At about seven o'clock, and neither one of us hit another car, which oh, was just true. amazing. Yeah, because there was traffic everywhere. Did you get pushed off to the right or to the left? On we went traffic? to the right. Oh, we okay. went to the right over the access road and into a field. Okay. And so, um, and he ended up in the median facing south. We had been going north. So, um, I was in the cargo area of the Explorer that we bought that day because I had a pickup. My husband had a pickup and we needed a place for a car seat. You bought the car that day? We bought the car that day. Oh my God. So I was in the the cargo area. My daughter was in the cargo area with me. I sat up and she was there. And um, and he was still in his seatbelt. But very, very long story, very, very hard time. Uh she had a a closed head injury that caused um, brain swelling, which caused brain damage. And we, she ended up with severe developmental disabilities for her life. Uh, Cerebral palsy, cortical visual impairment. So before Uh, the wreck, she was, everything was fine. She was fine. She was a fine five week old. And he had his, the steering column as we rolled, crushed, crushed his chest. So he ended up with severe lung damage, which turned into. What was your husband's name? His name was Troy. 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 Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And he he was in the ICU for 50 days as they tried to get his lungs to be working again. And the infection just became too much. And he passed away on on February 9th of Mm. 97. And so then it was and my parents came and they moved in to help me take care of her, which was amazing because there was no way I could have done it by myself. For one thing, I still had to pay bills. Mm-hmm. So I had to go back to work. And um, she basically they said she wouldn't last six months and just not to be upset when she passed away. Oh, wow. So my yeah. mom, my mom held her. 
24 hours a day unless someone else was holding her. I kid you not. My mom sat and held her. And she actually made it for 25 years. Wow. She did. She did so much more than anyone ever said she would. They said she'd never come off a vent. She came. She was off the vent before she was four months old or three months old. Yeah, she was off the vent in January. So um, she did not ever learn to talk, but she did learn to use a Toby Dynavox eye gaze system when she what, wanted to. What's that? It's a It's a communication device, and it has infrared camera at the bottom of it and it reflects off your retinas and back to the screen so it can tell where you're looking oh okay and it will say the word that you're looking at she didn't learn to communicate in sentences like we do but she she could put in a good three or four words that were very pertinent to whatever the conversation was when she wanted to right right yeah so um she anyway it was so I was her caregiver and my parents helped. My mom passed away in 2009 and I lost my dad in February of this year. So it's been a hard, hard six months. But for some reason, I just thought I was supposed to come and talk about, you know, life doesn't work out the way you're playing it. No. Most of the time. <laughs> no. Oh, my um, gosh. Yeah. So that's. Uh... So she was my 24 hour a day, pretty much companion especially after she got out of school when she was 21. Mm. So she got, she went through school up until she was 21. Right. And uh, With the, um, um, they have that disabled kids can go until they're 20, till they turn 22. So she, we went ahead and she graduated in May because she was going to turn 22 in November. There was no reason to go for two more months in the next year. Right. So. And then what happened? Oh, let's see. Well, she was, like I said, she was 24 hour day care. We had found some wonderful therapists. We went to therapy and then COVID hit and we couldn't go to therapy anymore. Mm. And she was bored. I know she was bored because, you know, there's only so much mom can do. Mom Mm -hmm. runs out of things to say too. And she started not feeling well, probably last year about May. I could tell she didn't feel good, but we couldn't figure out what was wrong. We went to the doctor more in that last year, probably than we had gone in her entire life, which is really odd considering her mm. disability. Mm-hmm. But she was amazingly healthy up until that last year. And she just didn't feel good. I could tell. But we um, got up on the morning of December the 10th, and I could tell she didn't feel good. She really didn't feel good. And we'd been to the doctor on Monday. That was a Friday. We'd been to the doctor on Monday. And uh, I called the office. We changed the medication. I called the office. And so they said, well, let's give her a breathing treatment. She's having trouble. And go get some lab work done at the Borger Hospital. Because that was the closest lab. So I gave her a breathing treatment. We loaded up, went to the hospital. And while we were there trying to draw blood, she just stopped breathing. Oh, my gosh. And we were right there and they hollered into the emergency room, which was like 20 feet away and took her in, but she was gone. And they think she probably aspirated because the doctor told me when they took her mask off, because you know we were all, that there was stuff in the mask. And so she probably coughed stuff up, but she had been coughing anyway. And I didn't mm-hmm. anything about it. Right. And 
So she then she sw- ended up swallowing it. That's what happened, I think. Oh, man. So it was totally. <laughs> so how do you get through something like that? How do you get through all that? You pray a lot. You find friends that will support you. Um, it came. Um, before that, but well, but we had got started going back to church right after she was born. So I will not say it was the accident that led me back to church. It was before that. But um, I had spent a lot of time not in church and not searching because, you know, you go to church and there's people there and they say things that hurt you and you end up not going back. Mm-hmm. You got to get over that. Yeah. Church is not about what the people say. Church is about going there to meet with God and with Jesus and to worship and to do your best to raise other people up, even when they're fighting and tearing themselves down. Mm-hmm. But that's what you do. Yeah. Find a found a nice grief support group down in Dallas. Uh and uh, stayed with that until we, we ended up moving to Fritch because my mom's parents were here. And my grandmother was losing her eyesight uh, to macular degeneration. And my grandfather needed help. So we came here to help them in 98. Mm. And my grandfather had an aortic aneurysm that they found and were trying to repair. And they, there was a medical, they did a medical procedure and they caused a, he had these helically spiraled veins that they did not realize. And when they were trying to put one of the cameras in to see where they were going, they poked the vein and it caused internal bleeding for a week before they figured it out. And he passed away from that. And my grandmother basically decided she wasn't living after that. And she starved herself to death two oh months my, later. Really? Oh my goodness. So I'm going to eat. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I don't mean to laugh. I'm not laughing. I'm just, I, I, this is crazy. I mean, that's, people are, just, uh, that's what they, and so, we were here in Fritch, and we've been here ever since. Actually, we have a mother-in-law apartment with this house, and my brother is living there right now. He came when my mom got sick with cancer. He came to help us. He didn't stay here the whole time. He went to Amarillo and worked for a while. But um, he quit and came to help help me take care of Nissa about five years ago. And so he, he's been here helping. My dad was here until February. He fell and broke his hip. In, oh, that's another bit of the story. He fell and broke his hip in September. Went over and got a hip replacement. He he had some mental, some short-term memory loss before that, but he really went downhill after that. And we finally figured out he had an infection in the hip that opened up and started draining in November. And I thought they had done the consult with the orthopedic surgeon, but they just did the consult with the one on call for the weekend and they never followed up with his actual surgeon. So they had him on IV antibiotics for a month. He came home in December, was home for about three weeks. And then he, he, he started asking me things like, who are these little kids running through the house? And there were no little kids. So I knew there was something going on. So we got him back in to his regular doctor. And then they sent us to the orthopedic doctor Again, because the hip and it was still draining. It's been draining for six weeks now. Mm-hmm. And they sent us over to the hospital that day on January the 3rd. And they did a hip replace. They took the hip replacement out 
the next week because it was infected and they had to remove it. And then he had to be on total bed rest, you know, no weight bearing because there's no bone in that joint. And he just never came back out of that, that surgery. He had one good day, one good day when he knew everything was going on and what was going on and decided he wanted to come home. And so he came home on hospice. And so my sister came to visit and she and I and my brother we took care of him until he passed away here on hospice hmm. on February the 19th. Wow. That's a tough road to hoe right there. I don't know how people do it, especially when their kids pass away. I just <clears throat> you know, talked to Scott Crawley, um, uh, his story. And, you know, right. anybody that goes through that is just, uh, I don't know how you do it. You know, um, I guess. And you hope you never find out, but. Uh, That's right. You, it's a uh, club you don't want to join. Yeah. But you also want to help those that are going through it at the same time, you know. You meet a lot of, there's a lot of nice people you meet this way. It's the same with a special needs kid. It's a club you don't want to join, but you meet a lot of great people. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. All because of a drunk driver. Mm-hmm. What do you What do you say about that? Well, don't drink and drive. It's really serious. Don't, and don't text on your phone and drive. I see people doing that and I just want to reach through and take their phones and throw them across yeah. the street and run over them. But, but uh, he just made a mistake. It was granted. It was his third mistake. he had had two previous uh, DUIs, but he was, he's about a year older than we were, than we are. Um, he and his wife had separated the week before and they were, going through some stuff and she was pregnant and no, she wasn't pregnant. She was pregnant during the trial. Um, and he made a bad decision and he spent, he got, he got the maximum, which was um, 20 years for my husband's death, intoxicated manslaughter with a de- assault with a deadly weapon. Uh, a dead, assault on a child with a deadly weapon for my daughter and intoxicated assault for me was 10. So 20, 20, and 10, and they were to serve concurrent. And he was eligible for parole in 11 years. But somehow or other, we didn't get the notification then. We got it for the next year when he he didn't get parole that time. But the next time it came up and we he had written me a very nice apology letter and I had written back, you know, accept your apology, you're forgiven. And um, we sent a letter in to the parole board and he got his parole after the 12th, on the 12th, the second time around. Hmm. And so he was out on parole because he had, he had two kids before he went in and his wife was pregnant at the trial. So he had three kids at that point who needed their dad, if they could have their dad. And so, and as far as I know, he's never been in trouble again. And he that's hugely he, gracious and generous of you to um, forgive him and all holding on to all that stuff does is hurt you. Mm-hmm. It really does. Yeah, I believe that. Man, well, um, that's just, yeah, I don't even know how to proceed here. Let's shift. You want to shift gears for just a minute? Sure. 
maybe we talk about high school just for a second. Okay, we can do that. So what was life like for you growing up in Bartlesville? Did you, were you born in Bartlesville or did you move to Bartlesville? We moved to Bartlesville. I, um, and when I was in the seventh grade, I was born in the border hospital. Uh, but we lived in Phillips. And okay. so I grew up in Phillips till seventh grade and it was a culture shock to move to Bartlesville. Was it? Well, we had, we had the biggest all the classes after ours were smaller than ours by a lot, mm-hmm. but we only had 45 in our class. Oh. We knew, you knew everybody, you knew right. the people in every grade down below you and in every grade, all the way up to the high school, you know, you, you didn't know, know them, know them, but you knew their names, you knew yeah. who they were. Yeah. Right. And you couldn't get away with anything because no. everybody knew who your parents were. If you right. were doing something stupid, somebody was going to tell your mom and dad. Mm-hmm. So, and that's not a bad thing. That's not a bad thing at all. No, it's not. Uh, so you come to Bartles. You came to Bartlesville in the seventh grade. Mm-hmm. Probably went to Central. Yep. Went through Central, then on to College High. Went on to College High. Yep. And you were in the. I looked at the yearbook. Uh, you were uh, a, a rifle. In the Rifle Corps with Pam Peterson yeah. and Kim mm-hmm. Harris, uh, I think that's right. Or, uh, yeah, some of those. Uh, you played in the band? I did. I was awful. I didn't practice. <laughs> so I was, too. I was, too, when I was in the band. But, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I played the trumpet for just barely. Um, what else? So then you, uh, oh, uh, the, uh, I've got it written down here, National Merit Semifinalist? Mm-hmm. With uh, Brett Thomas and some other folks there in the Gene Dean Association. Oh, yeah. Chemistry class. Chemistry. Mm-hmm. There's a picture of you in a total that party. Was hard. Chemistry with Gene Dean was hard for me that senior year because I had, oh, gosh, the wrestling coach uh, for C- chemistry. Kim one. C- yes. C-born? Yes. Yes. I could not think of it. For, for chemistry one. And, and Kim, Kathy Kramer was the other one that had that went on to came to from his class. We covered everything we learned in Kim Wan on the first test. And they went on and it was review. And it's like, we were lost. Hmm. We had no, I mean, I was like, Ms. Dean, I don't even know what you're talking about. We never got this. (laughs) (laughs) So that first semester was really, really hard. That first, first nine weeks in the first semester. But when when we caught when we got through everything we were supposed to have already known and everybody we caught up with everybody else we were okay after that but boy that first semester was hard. Hmm. Yeah. And then you were in the physical science club. Yeah, just because <laughs> <laughs> something else to put on the uh, not resume. Well, maybe the resume. Just the the applications for college. Applications for college, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it sounds like you did pretty well with chemistry because then you went on to uh, get a engine, chemical engineering degree from OU. So, mm-hmm. huh. yeah, that was that was fun. I I enjoyed most of my engineering classes and stuff. I just decided it was not how I wanted to spend the rest of my life. Right. And uh, I like school. Yeah. When you were at College High, you know, uh, what uh, song takes you back to 1982? 
1982. Trying to think. You're See, we lived out in the country. Mm-hmm. We lived out in the country in this valley with no radio reception. Oh, yeah. So, so uh, where did you live? Uh, to the west or the south? To the west. To the, to west. the west of Bartlesville? Um, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, we lived on, it was Juniper Lane when I was there. Now it's County Road 5131 or something now. Um, mm. Yeah. <laughs> we were out in the, and so. Was that I out by be, the candle shop? No, they were on the other side of the, the, they were at Radar Hill. We were further west about three miles and oh, okay. on the other side of the highway. Oh, okay. All right. So, yeah. So we had no radio reception. I can remember my brother playing um, Ghost in the Machine. He he loved Police Ghost in the Machine album. Uh, okay. 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 Yeah. yeah and, he, you know, that's back when you had turntables. Yeah. And so he would just leave it going and he would. <laughs> It would go to the end and it would come back up and then it would start like it was a 45 and it would always start on hungry for you. (laughs) (laughs) So I guess that's probably the song, but it is not my favorite song. I like the police. I like a lot of their songs, but that is like one of my least favorite songs because I, he played it over and over and over and over. Mm -hmm. Little brothers. Yeah. Yes. Did you go to prom? No, I did not. Hmm. What was your favorite TV show growing up in high school? Well, after we went to California, we met Gil Gerard. It was probably Buck Rogers. Oh, that's cool. Because he was at he was there for the band when we went on the band trip. Uh huh. We met him at Universal Studios. So yeah, oh, that's cool. Do you uh, have a favorite TV show now? Are you binge watching anything now? That on Netflix we don't get good enough reception to really binge watch because, <laughs> you know, you'll get right in the middle of something and then. Buffering. Yeah. So uh, NCIS is probably the only show I'm really following right now. I still like it, even though Mark Harmon's not there. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Um, who was your. Uh, who was your gang? Who was your uh, entourage in high school? Who did you hang out with? Who were your uh, friends? Rhonda, Rhonda Bresson. Mm-hmm. Yep. We were in band. And we rode the bus together. because She lived out west of town, too. Uh, Billy Winter. Carla Shepard. Oh, yeah, Billy. Carol- As a matter of fact, Billy is, uh, she signed up to be interviewed here. Uh, I think it's next week. So that's cool. Cool. Um, we actually, uh, let's see, Carol Boss, Jerry McLemore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jerry McLemore. That's probably. Jerry McLemore. Didn't she live in Oak Park? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's probably, that's most of them. You know where she is now? Yes, she's in North Carolina. We actually Zoom. We started in, in November. We Zoom once a once a month. Really? Well, tell her hi for me and tell her she needs to get on the show. I'll tell her. I don't know what she'll say. (laughs) (laughs) She is is busy all the time. Mm. She works. I want to say she's a coroner. I know she does autopsies and stuff. So, yeah. So Hmm. in in North and she is busy all the time. Yeah. Mm. We were talking about that 
Ron is like, well, your patients, they can just wait. She says, it's not my patients. It's the families. <laughs> they are impatient. Oh, man. They want to know what happened. So. Oh, and Rhonda Brazelton, too. And mm-hmm. Carol, did you say Bost? Mm-hmm. All those. Yeah, we need to get them all on here. So. And, Car- uh, and then Carla was the other one. I don't know if Carla, I said Carla, Carla or not. Carla, Carla. Shepherd. Shepherd. Okay. Yeah. Huh. Um. Who was your favorite teacher? Probably Mr. Baird. Oh, yeah? Mm-hmm. Why is that? Well, he would help in any way you could in any of the math you were doing. If you could see a better way to do it and told him, he was very appreciative. You know, if you say, oh, well, you can factor this out and that'll make it easy. He would, that didn't bother him. You know, some people don't like it when you do that. He, mm-hmm. But he's like, oh, show me an easier way. Easier way is good. Um, and he said, if you're going and you have to take math classes, he said, test out of linear algebra, because all you'll do is spend a lot of time doing problems that you know how to do after this two weeks. And he was right. Hmm. That's cool. And so we, Billy and I were, we both went to OU together and we both got degrees in chemical engineering. She went on to do a whole lot more with her studies than I did, but, um, we started in Calc three. So he taught hmm. us enough calculus to test us out of Calc 1 and Calc 2 and linear oh, wow. algebra. And uh, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, the teachers were amazing in Bartlesville back then. And, and Mr. I'm Simmons sure. was, was great. Mr. Simmons was great, too. He did mm-hmm. a good job of teaching us how to write an essay. And I look back and I think about how we complained about having to write those essays. Mm-hmm. But, man, he had to read them. He had to read them. <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah you, I, I hadn't thought about that before, but yeah, that must have been torture too. So, for someone as well read and well written mm-hmm. as he is, and, and not only that, every year on the same subject. <laughs> hmm, hadn't thought about that. That is interesting. Yeah, so, we had a lot of really good teachers. Yeah, if uh, you know, so. The question I always ask everybody, what would you tell your 18-year-old self as you see yourself walking across the graduation stage, knowing what you know now and the wisdom that you've collected over the last 40 years, experienced life, um, had successes, had failures? Oh, before you answer this one, let me ask you this question. What's your greatest accomplishment, would you say? accomplishment since high school then i'm still here and i'm not bitter because yeah that's i could see the bitterness i see the bitterness in a lot of people and it could be really easy to go that way Mm -hmm. and i try work really hard at not being bitter and being grateful for what i had Mm -hmm. that's uh that's huge it's gonna be so tough that is an accomplishment um Okay, back to the. Uh, so how do you, you so, to, so how do you do that? Is if for to anybody out there that uh, <clears throat> uh, is experiencing bitterness or or has a reason? I mean, you know, we all have reasons to be bitter mm-hmm. uh, and stuff like that. Uh, some more than others. What uh, what's the recipe? What how do you how do you do that? Why you know number one why do you do it? And number two how do you do that? 
Why do you want to stay away from bitterness? You do it because bitterness is just poison. It just poisons you. And it makes, um, I did a thing. I do the announcements and the lay speaker position type thing at church every Sunday. And I did one last week was talking about um, unhappy versus sad. And they're different things. Unhappy people want people to share in their unhappiness. And they try to drag them in. This this is my thoughts. This is my thoughts. No, this may not be true for everybody. And they try to drag you into their unhappiness. And they stay in that unhappiness. And they stay discontented. And it's all everybody else's fault. You have no responsibility for your life. And I've seen that in several people in my life. You, and it's not a place I want to be. You want to find a place where you can be contented. You can be grateful for what you had because everybody has some sort of blessings. And you can um, and you can find joy and you can be joyful. And I know people say this all the time. You can be joyful and cry. Um, the example was I watch little kids and I love to see them playing. My daughter never did that, but I can still be joyful watching them do that. I can um, watch people talk about their grandkids that I'm never going to have and be grateful that they get to have those kids. Um, I told you, the tears would come. <laughs> but um, you just don't want to. So you can be sad. I'm sad right now, but I'm not unhappy and discontented and malcontent and you don't want to be in that place because that's just a dark place to be and to dwell and you don't want to live there so um and how you do it is you find people who can listen to you and don't try to fix things some you know some things just can never be fixed but you still need to talk about Mm -hmm. talk about the people you've lost if you're friends with someone who's lost a child or their parents recently, or a friend, or a spouse, talk about them. You don't have to worry that you're going to bring up, they may cry, and that's okay, but they're glad to know that you didn't forget them, and that you still think about them. Um, You just, you find a group of people that'll support you, and they'll listen to you, and not try to fix things, and they'll let you work things out on your own, and you argue with God a lot, And you say, God, I don't like what you did here. I don't know why you did it, but I don't like it. But I'll learn to live with it. I don't know. Does that answer the question or did I go way off the field? No, you answered the question very well. Um, You know better than I do. I mean, uh, you've, uh, and you're doing a great job, it sounds like. Uh, I just, uh, yeah. Uh, Being sad is healthy. Being perpetually unhappy is kind of being a pain in the butt. Yes. Um, but, you know, there's, you know, you can be sad, but that's like you said, joyful, um, seeing other people who are blessed and gener- uh, uh, have been generously blessed, it seems like. And uh, although and, and, and you, you could be envious, you could be jealous, you could be bitter, <clears throat> or you could be glad that they are experiencing this and you're happy for them. Right. That's the most most healthy approach. I would, I would, I would think. 
So no, I, I agree. Don't, I agree I'm with not you. perfect at that every day. Yeah. No. I, are, so. or, uh, anyway. Yeah. Some days are bad, but. And that's okay too. You know? We're, I'll see. I'm going to tell you not. what kind of, you didn't ask me what kind of car I drove. Oh. I either drove. I either drove a 65 Buick Wildcat, which is like a tank, and I had a 70 or a 73 Gremlin. Those were the oh, okay. two cars I had access to to drive. <laughs> and they were like night and day. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The Gremlin, the but I Wildcat. I can tell you that Gremlin had get up and go. Did it? Yes, it did. You can, you know, that hill, West of oh. oh, yeah. You could be at the bottom and turn out of Airport Road and you're like basically stopped and you could get to 65 before you got to the top. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I lived right off blackjack lane there for a while, mm-hmm. right off to the left, uh, right before you go up the hill. But uh, okay. Back to the question of graduation. So you're graduating. I got to, okay. my, my time's getting short here. I, I apologize. Yeah. So I'll end with this. What would you tell your 18 year old self knowing what you know now? First of all, if you love somebody and they ask you to do something that you can do with them, do it because you never know how much time you're going to have. My husband used to ask me to go dancing or to go play a game. And I'm like, God, I need, really need to get this stuff done for tomorrow. And I really regret that because I thought we were going to be able to do that when we were old. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is find some sort of physical activity you like and can do for the rest of your life. Those are good words. Yeah. That's probably the two. That's awesome. Good job. Well, Denise, thanks for joining us and taking time out of your day to do this interview and for being uh, so open and vulnerable and uh, transparent with us. And I'm sure your story is going to help a lot of others out there who uh, are going through different things. You know, everyone, everyone's going through stuff, you know. So uh, I think anybody listening to this can uh, get a lot out of your story and out of your testimony and out of your uh, experience. So thanks for sharing it. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. So for Denise Washer, Catherine, Denise Washer, Stoll, did I get all that right? Got it right. This is Scott Townsend. Thanks for watching, listening to the Last of the Call High Wildcats 1982 podcast. Have a great day, and we'll talk to you later. The Last of the Call High Wildcats 1982 podcast is a Deep Zone Man production. Visit the Last of the Call High Wildcats 1982 YouTube channel, listen on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. This podcast is made possible by our Patreon members, Butch Boland, Ben Townsend, Mark Thompson, Glenn Goodrich, Sandra Yeager, and Christy Brooks and by the generous donations made via the GoFundMe campaign.